Welcome back to the Call in Our Shop podcast. I'm Austin. I'm joined by Logan, and this is episode 30 of our weekly podcast posted every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. We're going to talk a lot about the NBA, the NFL, the MLBs on the horizon. But first off, Logan, how are you doing on this fine Wednesday? Um, Not great. Uh, it's freaking cold here. The weather's broken here in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So uh, I'd like it to not be in the 20s uh, when it's <laughs> going to be in the 70s later on in the week. But other than that, we have baseball soon, so you know what? I'm I'm just counting down the the days, honestly. So I'm doing I'm doing fine looking ahead. But uh, how how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Um, today is Wednesday, so we have a subscriber parlay uh, giveaway in our Wednesday Ooh. slate video. At least I think so. We're recording this on Tuesday night. I plan on doing one, so we'll see. Um, but we appreciate all the people that are joining the community. I think we're closing in on 29,000 subscribers, so that's awesome. Um, shout out again to all of our COS All-Stars. We really appreciate it. And tonight we have our weekly live stream. So Wednesdays are normally a busy day in the call in our shot world. And in addition to the podcast being posted every single week on the on like podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google. We also are doing our daily videos being posted there. So I know a lot of people had asked us in the past, you know, Austin, can you up, uh, upload the audio kind of thing? And finally did it. So now that people can listen in, on the car and not have to kind of be navigating YouTube and, and the while driving, because that doesn't COS is for safety. And that's what we're all about here. <laughs> well, it's good because I, I need to listen to your winners on, on my drive to work. And, you know, at the time we're recording this, you swept the night before. So it's like, I need this good information on my drive. I mean, only the best. That's what we do here. <laughs> and last but not least, click that like button. And let's get into today's and let's start with the NBA. And I have, we have a debate here. Yeah. Nikolai Jokic versus Joel Embiid. And we're, these are probably, when we're talking about the MVP race, the MVP race is coming up where I think the regular season ends in approximately two to three weeks, around like April 10th, 12th, something like that. And then you get play-in games and whatnot. So these are the two guys that are at the top of the race. Obviously, Jokic, reigning MVP. Um, and then Embiid's trying to become a first-time MVP. Now, Giannis is in that conversation. He's probably the third guy if I had to pick one. And as of right now, we don't know what happens. I believe the the Sixers-Bucks game is just about to tip off. So we have no idea what happens in that game. But hopefully, you know, everyone comes out injury-free. But either way, I want you to take a side and tell me who you think is the MVP in the NBA this year. Well, the honestly, you know, it, my answer would have been different a few weeks ago when I was looking at the odds and I was just like, yeah, it's this is Embiid's uh, award to win. But I, I think the odds makers know something when they make this this race a virtual coin flip. I mean, the odds are like it's pretty much even odds both ways. And there's a reason Jokic is closing ground. He is just absolutely, you know, a statistical phenomenon. Like, I mean, what 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 were we talking about earlier? Jokic leads the league in triple doubles. I mean, isn't that like kind of the definition of MVP? He's doing it all. He's scoring. He's rebounding. He's assisting his teammates. When you look at at, at Jokic's impact on the Nuggets, I mean, they're they're probably going to make the playoffs. I don't what seed we don't know yet, but I think just this this absolute push. He's he's putting the whole league on notice and he's putting the odds makers on notice, too, because, like I said, I think this was clearly Embiid's, uh, you know, MVP to, to lose. And now you look at it and you're like, oh, he might he might actually slip up. Yeah, I can understand where you're coming from in that standpoint that, you know, Jokic has been playing without Michael Porter Jr. Majority of the year, Jamal Murray as well. And he has been doing great things. And I have a Joker shirt. You see me wear it time and time again. I take his props. He helped us cash yesterday and get the sweep. Exactly. I love Jokic, but I'm going to go against you in this one. I think this is Joel Embiid's race. And I, unless something crazy happens throughout the rest of the remaining season, I think Joel Embiid is going to be the MVP. And there's a couple reasons why. Number one, very rare do we see back-to-back MVPs. We did see Giannis get it. And Giannis 
improved his game drastically from year one to year two. What Jokic is doing this year isn't necessarily different from what we've seen from him last year. I mean, sure, he had Jamal Murray a little bit more last year, and they're still good, but you see it, Joel Embiid, prior to James Harden trade, he was carrying this team. I mean, what was the help that he had on this team? He honestly didn't have much help. Ben Simmons, he had to navigate that whole drama. Then he had Tobias Harris, who was getting paid $40 million to give you 15 points a game, and it was basically Joel Embiid carrying this team, and the fact that they are one game, prior to tonight's game against the Bucks, they're one game away from being the first seed in the East, and I, I think you could have, in years past, maybe say, Austin, the West is a better conference than the East. But this year, I honestly don't really think it's that much different. I think they're pretty even in terms of conference strength. Obviously, the Suns have the best record. Grizzlies are good, too. And, you know, they got the Warriors who have not been good in the past two months. But I think you got a lot of good teams. The Heat have been selling. But the Bucks, Celtics have been very good. Bulls have been good all season. And the Nets... I just like Embiid. I think this is his race to lose. He could be up in the, either leading the league in scoring or number one or two. And the guy's just been so consistent all season long. And so has Jokic. But I think they would rather, this is a storyline thing. And personally, I think they'd rather give the MVP award to a guy in Philadelphia instead of a back-to-back guy in Denver. But that's just my opinion. Okay. Yeah, it is a narrative award. That's the point I'm willing to concede, right? That That's, that's something I can't really argue. But what I can argue is... What you just said, you you conceded probably the biggest point, and and Jokic is doing this without <laughs> Jamal Murray, without without MPJ. I mean, these are these are huge pieces of the Nuggets that Jokic is like, all right, guys, Bones Highland, get on my back. All right, Will Barton, get on my back tonight. Like he he's really doing it all. And meanwhile, uh, Embiid over in Philly has playing with another superstar. I mean, okay, yeah, where, where he got the Sixers prior to um Harden joining them yeah that's that's to be commended but I think it's kind of the whole what have you done for me lately thing Jokic is doing a lot more than Embiid lately and this is honestly what's going to stick with with whoever decides this award that's probably what's going to stick in their head most is how they finish out the season and I think there's just such a tremendous upward trend with Jokic I mean I'm excited to see how it finishes but I mean dang a coin flip MVP yeah I'm, I'm all in yeah, I'm not going to necessarily go go against, you know, Jokic. If he gets it, he gets it. I mean, he's obviously leads the league in triple doubles. He's been awesome yeah. all season long. And so I just think at the end of the day, this is going to come down to a lot where the teams finish in the standings. Now, obviously, there's a lot that could go with both these two teams. Now, the Nuggets are sitting at the sixth seed. They could drop into this into the play-in game. I, if they drop into the play-in game, I don't think he gets it. I don't think that I think unless the Sixers absolutely tank, but the Sixers could finish anywhere from the one seed to the four seed. So there's really nowhere to kind of project them. But I, I just love the process, man. I just want to see him get it. He's just, <laughs> it's like, well, here's my thing is if MB doesn't get it this year, when can he get it kind of thing? And I know they say that about oh, some It's like, you know, how much better can they get? And Embiid's having a crazy good, what do you want him to do? Do you want him to start passing, getting eight plus assists? Like that's not Embiid's game. And the fact that he's averaging 30 and 11, I just don't see him getting much higher than that. So if it's not now, then when do you give him the MVP trophy? Does this team have to win 60 games to get it? Which if that's the case, then, you know, then give the award to Devin Booker because he's the best player on the best team and kind of carried them with Chris Paul out. So it's tough to, I I won't be mad with either of the kind of uh, who gets it. But I, I just think yeah. Joel Embiid, you know, I think Jokic will have the same stats for the next five plus years and probably Embiid will too. But I just think a lot of it, I feel like when I think about the stats Jokic puts up, it's unlike anything we've ever seen. So I feel like he'll always be in the MVP race 
for the next, you know, couple, I don't know, five, 10 years, just because of how good he is. And it's not like his game, he's relatively knock on wood, been very healthy at throughout the majority of his career. So he's not, he's not a guy that's going to go up and start dunking on people. It's not, and that's not his game. He's just kind of a YMCA old guy that just has a lot of fundamentals and we love him for it. But I'm just going to lean with the the process of this one. <laughs> YMCA guy that's going. I mean, he look, he kind of looks like when we remember him pre bubble when Jokic was playing. That man yeah. was, he, I mean, it was chunky. Yeah, he was he was doughy. He's always been of the doughier build. But you know what? That doesn't stop him. I mean, it, it's it's really cool to see how he just runs the offense through him. I mean, that's again, that's that's kind of what the the MVP, most valuable player. Like break down the the description of the word. I mean, he. He makes those those players like the Bones Highlands of the world better around him, where Joe OMB definitely does too, but not in the same way. That's why I'm saying, like, just, you know, pound for pound, give me Jokic all day long. And I, I hear all your points. That's why this is a coin flip, because it's it, you can make them on both sides. But I guess we'll track yeah. we'll track this debate. This is one that I want to circle back to uh, every, every week to come to kind of see how the odds shift. Yeah, I'm curious how they shift and, you know, Obviously, both guys are deserving of the MVP award, and I don't think Giannis will personally get it, even though he is third. He's kind of up there, but I don't see that happening. So we'll see. We'll track back again in a, next week and see what the odds are like, because obviously these teams have, I don't know, roughly seven to ten games remaining left, and a lot can change in those seven to ten games. I mean, a guy could get injured. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but or a guy just could absolutely go on a scoring absolutely crazy numbers and Jokic has been putting up crazy numbers post all-star breaks. So we'll see exactly what hey, goes on. Real, I think Jokic is, I bet you were taking Jokic is over in his next game. I think he plays, the, <laughs> I think real, he plays the Pacers. Okay. We'll, we'll uh, yeah, see I'm about on, I'm all in there real quick. When we're talking about circling back, um, how, how's my bulls, uh, my bulls <laughs> NBA finals. Uh, how, how's that uh, looking? Cause ever I since know. I said that they have a chance, they said, all right, Logan bet. We're just going to lose every other game and just absolutely go in the absolute wrong direction. Yeah, it's, you absolutely uh, put a put a jinx on the Bulls. You just absolutely it, nuked their. I don't know what their <laughs> odds are for the championship, but I would bet a lot of money they're double what you you said to bet it on. They've been yeah, very bad lately. Uh, my pick's not doing too shabby. I did the Mavericks. I forget what the odds. I think plus three thousand. You know they're sitting at the four seed. Uh, they've been yeah. very good. Now I don't know if they can do it with just. Uh, just Luca carrying the show, but hey, I'm all in on the Mavericks train. I mean, the Warriors haven't been good. The Warriors, they could pass the Warriors and end up at the three seed. The Jazz haven't been good. The West is a really weird West is a lot of teams that, you know, in past years, you'd be like, these are really good teams. They're coming into the the the, the playoffs not looking all too good. So we'll see. Um, the Lakers might not even make the playoffs for all we know. Oh, man. <laughs> we're, not, we're not, we could spend a whole podcast on the Lakers, but either yeah, way. I know. I just real quick bulls check plus sixty five hundred. So oh man, I swear um, they're like be, plus three thousand ish, maybe even worse than that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Sorry, bulls. Bulls down. Horns down. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and tonight, I don't know what happens in their game tonight, but if they lose the wizards to lose to the wizards, they're getting clowned on my uh, my my regular daily video. No, you don't lose the wizards and not get clowned. That's just the rules. They. I agree. I'm I'm all with you there. <laughs> uh, but let's move on and let's start talking about one. We'll go to the and the NLB MLB in a second. Talk about all the National League teams. But first, a minor change in the NFL. We got some new overtime rules, and so a lot of people, Bills fans included, were petitioning for some new overtime rules. And in terms of where both teams can get the ball in in uh, overtime, obviously you saw the Bills season end when they couldn't get a stop on defense. Um, 
And now they've made a change where both teams get the ball in overtime. I don't really know. You know, I assume if one team scores a touchdown, then the other team obviously has to match it and then probably go to a sudden death after that kind of thing. But this is a step in the right direction. It's only applicable for the playoffs. So the regular season will still have the same overtime rules. What's your initial kind of thoughts on this? Do you like it? Do you not like it? What do you think could be changed? Um, okay, I definitely don't dislike it, right? Because it, it, it does give both op- both you know sides of the ball you know a fair opportunity. But you know what? I, I, I kind of took this stance when, when the Bills Chiefs epic playoff game happened, and I was like, I was like, you know what? Defense is still part of the game, guys. Like I love to see Patrick Mahomes throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns every game. And I, I love to see offense, but at the same time, Bill's defense go out there and get a stop. I mean, if you, if, if the bills really deserve to win that game, like they were, or their fans wanted them to play defense. And, and so yes, this rule does soften it a little bit for the offenses because I mean, that's the direction the NFL is trending. It's all about scoring. It's all about offense. They want points. Because uh, that's what gets viewership, but you know what? I'm a little more old school. I like uh, I like I like defense. Sue me. Yeah, when I was watching the Pat McAfee show today, they had Darius Butler on there. Obviously, a Colts teammate. I think of Pat McAfee during that time, and I don't really know what Darius Butler's doing at the moment. I think he's retired, but he kind of had a similar thought process to me and to kind of what you were saying is that. Number one, this is good for the fans. This is a really good thing for the fans. You know, yeah. every. Not a lot of fans want, you know, fans want to see both teams get a fair shot at winning the game and things like that. And so in the terms of offense, you want to see points. You want to see, you know, both teams, you know, get a shot in overtime. Who doesn't want to see Josh Allen come back on the field to try to match Pat Mahomes? Of course, that would be iconic. That would be awesome to watch. On the flip side, you're right. I mean, defense is part of the game. I mean, they've catered towards the offense so much with penalties to unnecessary roughness, just touching a QB in the head or everything has been catered towards scoring more points. And while, you know, that might be, you know, good thing maybe for the fans viewership, there are, I think there's like grace and a, a certain bit of a kind of love to the game to watch a good defensive battle. Now, no one wants to watch up two teams that are absolutely terrible turning the ball over left and right. No one wants to watch that. But, you know, you think back to the iconic days of like the Ravens and Steelers matchups. Those games were super low scoring, but it was so fun to watch them because you had Ray Lewis, you had Troy Palomalu on the other side of the ball. You just had those two dynamic and just awesome defenses. It was great to watch. And while this, I feel like this rule is kind of even taking more away from the defense. If the defense goes out there and just lays an egg, they should kind of be held accountable for that. You can't just rely on no one. I, I mean, I know a lot of people want to see, you know, Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes, but in the end, NFL is a, it's a team sport, and I feel like making this rule, and while it's going to be good for the overtime and then in the postseason, sure, you know, giving both teams a shot, and I'm sure this will be awesome come like game time, but I feel like it kind of is just neutralizing defense even more, and it's already been neutralized enough, and it, they've kind of making it into, into more of just QBs versus QBs where I think it should be more of a team versus a team kind of thing. Yeah, it's 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 something that I knew was going to come, especially after watching that game where you had so many people up in arms, and you know, as an entertainment, see the NFL at the end of the day is an entertainment thing. They they want what they want those storylines. They want the narratives <clears> of both quarterbacks get a shot with the ball. But these defenses, you got to remember, these defenses are gassed. This is the end of the, this is the end of the game. And quite honestly, in that game, you knew the winner of that game was decided by the coin toss because neither of those defenses at the end had any gas left in the tank. So it's one of those things where you know. I don't know what when we're going to see the shift back to, to defense being in the league. I, I don't know if or whenever, because with the, such the emphasis on player safety and everything, I mean, it's it's hard to be a defender these days. I don't envy I don't envy being a, a defensive lineman. I definitely don't envy the uh, envy being a defensive back 
because you, you 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 sneeze on on the wide receiver. That's a that's a uh, that's a penalty. So like you know you're you're getting pass interferences all all day long and. Yeah, so it's it's just hard to be a defender, and 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 you got to know the the rules are stacked up against you once more on this one. So it's tough, but I mean the NFL, it's it's I'll still be tuning in. Hello. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not going to lose my viewership, NFL. Yeah, <laughs> I'll still yeah. be watching every Sunday. Just sit plopping my plopping my butt up back behind on that couch and just kind of flipping or watching Red Zone kind of thing. I, I'm still going to watch. I'm just curious how this changes how teams game plan. Like, what if? Like, what if, you know, we take back to that Chiefs-Bills game and the Chiefs score a touchdown, they get, click an extra point. What if the Bills come down and score a touchdown? I think we might see some teams going for two in that kind of standpoint because I assume a two-point conversion would win that game. I, I mean, I'm just assuming, you know, I don't know exactly the rules, but that would make sense if a team goes for two at the end. That, that would kind of win the game overall, but I'm not sure. This is going to be still, an interesting one. Yeah, I still love the college overtime rules. Like, that's, that's my favorite version of it because – you just you shrink the field. You give each team, you know, equal opportunities to score from a certain distance. In in the NFL overtime, it's essentially just like playing an extra quarter. Like I don't, I don't, I'm not really all about that. It, it, there's a lot of randomness involved uh, in in the NFL and especially in in NFL overtime. So in college, that's why like you get those epic finishes in college. Yeah, those crazy overtime games that go to, like seven overtimes. But but I mean that's not going to happen in the NFL. So I, I would have liked to see them eventually adopt that model, but it is what it is. That would be cool. I think that would also really screw up a lot of fantasy football leagues. Just think of from it. You think about yeah. like a game that goes into four <laughs> overtimes. You just have touchdowns galore, like a QB's throwing eight touch. Yeah, that, that would be ridiculous, but it would be cool Hold to on. watch. And maybe one cry about it. That's what I say. <laughs> you face one of those players, cry about it. Here's a little violin for you. to. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I think it's going to be cool. Now, my question, and it might be tricky when you come down to the end of the season, like what if, you know, let's think about that Raiders-Chargers game. That was that tie or go tie and you both go in and then what kind of thing like that. Like that, those games would still end with the same, you know, NFL overtime rules as we've seen in the past. So I wish they could just kind of say week 18 plus the regular, plus the postseason can be. But unfortunately, <laughs> that's not how it works. I don't make the rules. So. <laughs> either way i think it will be fun to see i'm sure next sure. i bet you next postseason we'll have one example of this where we see both teams get the ball and i bet you'll be a great game so already looking forward to it i don't think you could beat this past nfl postseason so we'll just try to beat it next year yeah i'm i'm, I'm with you i'm excited Fo- football's a long way out let's not get yeah let's, let's not get, get into it. a sport that's starting up <laughs> in a week and a day the mlb and i went to the orioles red sox game doing a little bit of scouting had the binoculars yeah. out. I was looking at uh, Red Sox, Orioles. Um, Red Sox didn't bring a lot of people there. But what I did watch, Kiki Hernandez, poised for a great season. Orioles, um, <laughs> I'm just going to be – I think you should take the first five over. Or all, all just the other teams over. Because I don't know if that Orioles team is going to have any pitching to uh, to carry their team. They're going to have to score a lot of runs. And obviously I was watching my man Ryan Mountcastle. Obviously a quick home run. It's like almost like he does this kind of thing. Um <laughs> I know I tweeted out onto Twitter. I said Ryan Mountcastle MVP, like plus twenty four k odds. Some people thought I was serious. Some people thought I was. Of course, I'm serious. Ryan Mountcastle is a living legend. We love him here. But people are kind of confused. Maybe they're new to the channel. Ryan Mountcastle was one of our friends. Went to high school with us. So we are. He's been on the podcast before. So we appreciate Ryan for all he does. Um, but I'm excited to uh, to bet on some Orioles games, likely against them. But don't tell Ryan that. Um, 
And we're going to see because, man, that game was interesting. But fun thing from what I saw. So obviously after the game, I got to talk to Ryan, got to say hello to him. But I also got to meet Zach Hample, which was pretty cool. And Zach Hample, a lot of people are probably like, who the heck? We're skipping through. Who the heck's this guy? Um, but Zach Hample is that guy that catches a ton of foul balls. I think he has over 11,000 ever caught. And so I went and watched a video prior to this and kind of listened to more of his story about him catching balls. But he was actually at this random Orioles-Red Sox game in Sarasota. And apparently he's caught A-Rod's 3,000th hit, which was a home run. He caught Mike Trout's first home run. He caught Giancarlo Stanton's second home run. A lot of cool baseballs he's caught in his day. So uh, it's cool to see him. Um, he was there at the game. A lot of people were going up to say hello to him. But overall, Orioles-Red Sox game, great spring training game. Uh, Reds Our Orioles did catch the W. So let's go. Let's go, oh, baby. We're back. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting that the Orioles can get it done versus the Red Sox uh, B squad. Uh, plus, well, who pitched Pavetta? P- Pavetta, right? Wasn't it? I believe so. I believe. Yeah, it was Pavetta plus Kike and the B squad. But yeah, no, I. That's what spring training. That's what why spring training baseball is so much fun to watch. Because uh, you have you 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 get to see you know some solid baseball through like probably three four innings, and then then they empty the bench and it's like figure out what we got. And you know a lot of these y- younger players who are looking to get a call up, this is their time to shine. So I, I love that aspect of spring training. And honestly, just. Honestly, just like looking through. So, uh, yeah, I do watch spring training baseball, guys. Sue me. Like, I, I, I watch it a lot. And hearing hearing all these, like, uh, you know, announce, hometown announcers um, on each each of the team's local uh, broadcasts uh, just really gets me in the baseball spirit again. Because I remember watching them all from last year. And here they are talking about just the randomest stuff, like, you know, I, my favorite topping to put on a hot dog is this. It's just like it's like <laughs> that 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 sort of uh, conversation really brings me back to baseball season because uh, you know that's when when some of these games are blowouts like ten to two in the sixth inning. They got They got to fill time for three innings, and here they are talking about the most random stuff. So if you're ever in the in the market to just watch baseball and hear hear you know just some fun fun banter. Tune into these local broadcasts because I guarantee you, like like the Chicago announcers with their Chicago accents, they're 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 fun. The Toronto Blue Jays announcers are some of my favorites. So you you just you know you you get you get all that in baseball. <laughs> yeah, spring training. They're all well, the announcers are getting their their training in too for regular season, and that's what Zach Campbell was saying. People were like, "You're going to count these baseballs towards your record?" As he was telling people that he had caught like 48 baseballs the day prior. He's like, no, I'm just getting ready for the regular season kind of thing. And I was like, this guy, this guy's an absolute legend. I was like, what is, what is wrong with this guy? But hey, he's he goes crazy. And uh, I don't know how he does it. I need to read. I'm assuming he, I think he has a book on how he, uh, I don't know, projects where the, the ball's going. I truthfully don't know. But the man's a living legend. I didn't see if he caught any baseballs there, but I imagine he did. He was he had a bag. He had like a sack with him that he was carrying around with like baseballs in. <laughs> and and the lastly, the umps need to get in spring into That's regular true. season form because I saw some egregious balls and strike calls that I'm like woof. Like if that's if that's the regular season call, I'm throwing hands. So I'm hoping that that they just need to get some rust off there because. Uh, that's yeah, true. Exactly. They need to get that ready because I'll be betting some player props come come next Thursday, and we need uh, we need the if I'm unless I'm betting some unders, then by all means you can call everything a ball. Let's walk some people, <laughs> load the bases, get pitchers on out of there, and then we'll uh, we'll be in a good spot. But either way, let's move on and let's start talking about the National League. Um, 
And last week, if you want to go back to last week's podcast, we talked all about every single American League division. We broke down the AL East, AL Central, and the AL West and gave our kind of our predictions who we thought would finish first and last and then kind of talk about the other teams. Today, we're doing the National League. We're going to start in the NL East. So we got the Mets, the Braves, the Phillies, the Marlins, and the Nationals. Logan, I'll let you kind of take this one off, kind of an overview of this division, and then we'll kind of break it down maybe team by team, talk about teams we think will be good this year, maybe be a little bit of a letdown. All right, so the NL East is a very intriguing division for me because, I mean, it's got, you know, my hometown Phillies here, and it's got some really good offseason storylines. Braves, obviously, with Freddie Freeman, Mets, loading up that pitching. And then you got these two teams that are kind of lagging behind, and they're not they're not obviously probably going to make any noise, Marlins and the Nationals. But I think the Mar- Nationals might be a sneaky team. I'm just putting that out there. If I don't know what their win total is. Don't have that off offhand. But I think the Nationals – their their hitting is definitely going to you know take a you know step up from last year. Last year was a weird year. They shipped off their whole team and it became the fighting Juan Soto's. Well, obviously Juan Soto is going to going to produce offensively. You know, pitchers. You know, with the with this whole NL reshuffling to the DH, it's gonna it's definitely going to benefit a team like the Nationals who you can't just. I don't know. You're, you're going to get offense from different positions like Nelson Cruz. We, we talked about him a little bit pre-show, but I mean. I think, just looking at this, I think the winner of this division, it's going to be a hot take, but I think I think it's going to be the Phillies, and here's why. I think it's just going to be a complete offensive masterpiece because they don't really have the pitching or the defense for that matter. They, they might be a historically bad defense, but – their offense might be historically good, so I, they're gonna they're gonna win these games against teams like the Mets and teams like the the Marlins and Nationals. High scoring, it's gonna be an influx of runs. Their pitching staff, there there hasn't been really any shakeups. You know, they've got the Wheeler, the Noah. Yeah, I I think it's Phillies first, and I think it's Marlins last. Sorry, Marlins. Get out of here. You don't yeah. spend any money. You can't be good when you don't spend any money, Marlins. <laughs> hey, don't tell us what to do. <laughs> I agree with you in the last place. I think the Marlins will be there. And I think it's not going to be particularly close. Uh, the Nationals, I can agree with you. Juan Soto is probably going to have to carry this team. But Juan Soto was ridiculous last year, second half post-All-Star break. He was really good. He's carrying the team. It's going to need to do a little bit more of that. My team, though, I like the Phillies call. I'll give you some on that. I think Wheeler, they got Eflin. Uh a high, one of our, our high school alumni. Um, so I can support him. Um, obviously, Wheeler's pretty solid. They have a, you know, their pitching staff was decent last year. I expect that to take a little bit of a step back. But I'm going to go with the Mets here because I can't deny their two headed ace. And arguably, they got three and four deep in that rotation with obviously Jacob deGrom. Obviously, you all know him. He's obviously one of the best uh, pitchers in the league. And then they went and signed Max Scherzer. It's hard to beat. Scherzer and DeGrom, and they pitched him out there in, in a uh, regular or spring training game. They gave you six innings of Scherzer, and then they gave you another three of DeGrom, and I think they were playing the Cardinals. It was like, well, GG to them because they had no chance of uh, winning that game. But I think uh, we all know, and obviously they have Bissett and they have Walker right behind him, and I don't remember their fifth starter, but those four starters, very good, very good all season long. And if those guys can stay healthy, they're going to be in a lot of games. Now my only concern here – He's putting up runs, and that was the concern for Jacob Degrom. He would pitch, he'd get a lot, give up no runs through five innings, and he'd be looking at the scoreboard zero to zero. And he's like, "All right, thank you." And he'd not get any run support. So I'm hoping they get a little more run support from guys like Francisco Lindor or from Pete Alonso, both guys that we know are capable of hitting the basketball, or not the basketball, <laughs> hitting the baseball, and be a little bit more consistent. And that's what it's going to come down to for the Mets. And I think this year they can do it just based on the pitching alone. I don't think the winner of this division has necessarily 100 games, something crazy like that. I think the winner is going to be in the low 90s, and I think the Mets can do that with that two-headed attack. 
Well, I mean, you just mentioned it, right? They're, so, like, they they upgraded a, p- a position that, to me, the Mets are already had, like, a middle to upper middle pack team. Now now they're cemented in the, at least the probably the top five rotations in baseball. But have they really addressed the bats? Like, have they really ensured that, they're, that they can compete with teams like the Braves and, like, the Phillies within their division to even put up runs? I mean, the Braves, I, I know I, I'm sleeping a little bit on the Braves. I just don't – I don't love – I don't love, like – the Braves rotation. I mean, I think they really caught lightning in a bottle in the World Series. So I think the Braves are doing a little bit regression, but they're still going to put up a ton of runs. The Mets are going to have to compete with that. And you've got the Phillies who added Castellanos, who added Schwarber. Like, they still they still have Bryce Harper. Like, that's an absolutely daunting offense to face. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying this, this division is so intriguing because I want to see what, what happens. Does defense really went out? Because I mean, look, you know, the Phillies on paper are, are a terrible defense. Like they're just they're going to be ha- playing some out of position players simply because they have to. But uh, <laughs> like it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what they throw together. But I'm saying like it's contrast of styles. That's what's going to win this division. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I do think the Braves take a step back. Obviously, you know they had that crazy run to win the World Series. I don't think they can duplicate that. Uh, obviously, losing Freddie Freeman, a guy that's probably big in their locker room, but. I want to hype up the Mets before they let me down. You know, we'll probably be bashing the Mets come the first couple weeks of the season as they tank it out. But I just want to bring, uh, I just want to, you know, bet on that that pitching staff and bet on them to get it done. I don't think this division is overall overall like the best in the league. And their offense, in my opinion, couldn't have been worse than it was last year. They only they scored the fourth fewest runs. So get up to the top twenty to fifteen, and that should be good enough. As their ERA is going to be one of the lowest in the in the MLB. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. I, I, I think, I think we're in agreement. It's going to be contrast to styles. Let's move yeah, on. I don't, to the I, I don't see any team winning, like pulling away from that division. But no, let's move on no, to the NL sure. Central. We got the Cardinals, we got the Pirates, the Reds, the Cubs, and the Brewers. A lot of uh, interesting teams. A lot of turnover for a lot of these teams. Like the Reds, basically give, getting rid of their whole uh, pitching staff. So not sure what they're doing. But Cardinals, yeah. we got Albert Pujols returning, so that's exciting. As I think he said, he said it was his final year. So that's fun as he's what. 43, 44 years old. I don't know. That guy's ridiculous. But what's your overview of this one? Yeah, I was poking my nose a little bit for people that are just listening to the audio because I'm really like low on this division. I, I think there's going to be some bad baseball that comes out of this division. It's just simply because the Reds nuked their whole team. I think the Reds are going to be one of the worst teams in baseball, and that's not really all that bold of a take. The Pirates, yo, Pirates, exactly what I was just saying about the Marlins. You got to spend money to get good. They, their payroll is ridiculously low. There's there's some NFL you know teams that would or even the Dodgers. There's so many teams that just laugh at teams like the Orioles, the Pirates, the Marlins, who just don't spend any money and consider and just always uh, you know are at the bottom of the barrel. Pirates don't know what you're doing there, and so like it comes down to the Cubs. I'm 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 pulling up like the projected like rotation of the Cubs, and it's it's interesting to me. Stroman, Hendricks, Miley, Mills, and Smiley. So they definitely made a lot of offseason moves, you know, in in the pitching department. I think it's going to be improved. And and you know, I I think the Cubs are are due a little bit of a surprise because last season the Cubs were major sellers, uh, you know, in the in the trade market. They just said any talent we got, Javi Baez and and, and company, get out of here. So. Cubs probably not going to be all too competitive. I think it's going to come down to Brewers and Cardinals. Um, Brewers obviously have the pitching. I'm I'm curious to I'm looking up their rotation too at the moment. So so Corbin Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. I mean that's the big three, and they and, and they they ride that pitching you know 
<laughs> till the wheels come off. So I, I definitely think this is the Brewers division to lose. The Cardinals probably could make some noise, um, but Brewers won Pirates literally at the bottom. That's, that's the, not even a hot take. <laughs> yeah. I wish I didn't agree with you, but sadly I do. Cause I do think, you know, you got the Pirates they're stinky. They're going to be at the bottom and I do like the Cardinals roster. Like I don't, I think they made some, some additions that are going to be good for the team and they'll be decent, but they're not going to be a well-known team and all all that much. And I think this Brewers team has the best pitching in this division. I think that's going to win out right most of the days. Obviously, we know Corbin Burns um, and Woodruff, two guys that are absolute uh, strikeouts, just guys that just strike out a ton of players. And so I think we'll see that, that pitching kind of carry them throughout this division, especially against bad teams, in my opinion, like the Reds, the Cubs, and obviously the Pirates. So I don't really want to – I mean, they got Christian Yelich. He'll probably have to carry a little bit of that offense. Andrew McCutcheon – Willie Adamas, I believe. I think he's decent, but I need to do a little bit more research into the Brewers team. But I, I'm, I'll be riding the Brew Crew solely because I like the pitching. Well, I would always remind people of why I didn't bet the Brewers a lot because they they put this ace on the mound, and you'd be like, oh yeah, like I'm I'm for sure riding them with Woodruff, or I'm for sure for sure riding them with Burns on the mound, and then their offense would come out and give you a one max two runs that game, and then the team they face. Uh, it would get, come down to the battle of the bullpens and the other team would pull away. The, the Brewers bullpen let up a lot of games uh, for me last year. So I'm I'm still scorned, Brewers. Hello. You can gain my trust this year. This is a new year. But, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what happens there. I mean, the the, the Cardinals did. I mean, they got Steven Matz. That's a, bit, that's a big uh, signing for the Cardinals. I, I definitely think we can't overlook that one. Wainwright, it's a little too up and down for me. I'm just being yeah, honest. Wainwright's yeah. some, someone that like has some great games. He'll go like a, throw a complete game, and then the next game he'll get yoinked yeah. in the first inning just because he gives up like eight eight runs. And you're like, what even? Yeah, Wainwright. Wainwright's just a little too up and down for me to trust. And the, the Cardinals are one of those weird teams. It's like I don't know. I, I don't think it's crazy to say the Cardinals are like the NL version of the Rays, where they just they, they have a lot of like farm type players, and they have a lot of not household names. But they, they they're competitive. They're they're not going to come in there and stink it up. So I'm interested. Yeah, to I see think the Cardinals will always be at 500 or a little bit better. So they're still going to get in that 80 win kind of category. And then you know if they can get hot at the right time, they have a chance to win this division. So not necessarily going to rule out really any team but the Pirates. I think in this division, if the Pirates win the division, then good golly, I don't know what I don't know what the <laughs> heck we'll do in the MLB. Oh, you, don't worry. It was not happening. <laughs> it's, there's a 0% chance of the Pirates winning that division. Clip that. Clip that for everybody out there. At least you're honest. And let's move on into the last division, the NL West. You yeah. got the Dodgers and the Giants, a big two-headed attack. Then you got Padres, Rockies, and Diamondbacks. Take it away, Logan. All right. Well, <laughs> okay. Worst, and it's not even close. It's the Diamondbacks, the team that could not buy a win on the road last oh, year. Yeah. It was it was an absolute comedy watching them uh, struggle on the road. You were, it was just wake up, auto fade the Diamondbacks, and then move on with my day. That's what I would do. It was, it there, there wasn't a whole lot of brain cells involved. And I mean, have they gotten much better? They're, they're still starting Mad Bum and projected in the rotation. Not high on that. Not high on Luke Weaver, or Zach Davies. Like they, they got, they got Zach Davies from the Cubs. Not high on any of those. So, so what, what are you gonna do, uh, Diamondbacks? Padres is really interesting though because right so to me this this division really will come down to I think that the, the Giants are going to take a step back. Sorry Giants for being disrespectful. I just I think they I think they had a really really good surprise year last year. I think they're going to take a little bit of a step back and I think the Padres are going to ascend and challenge the Dodgers at least because 
I mean, come on. Like, it's not it's not going out on a limb saying the Dodgers should be the best team in this division when they go out and spend a stupid amount of money on anyone and everyone. Their rotation. Let me read you the, the Dodgers rotation because I, I, I this is just the ultimate embarrassment of riches. Walker Buehler probably going to have a career season. Urias, Kershaw, Haney, and Gonsolin. I mean, that's just that's an embarrassment of riches. At, at, you know, even at the starting pitching. So it's. Yeah, Dodge, Dodgers are, are the only way the Dodgers really choke this division is if they, they sleep on the Padres, which prior to injuries catching up to the Padres last year, they had the best record in baseball for a lot of the season. I think a lot of people forget about that. The, and, and you know, obviously, Fernando Tatis hurting himself what, on a motorcycle. Uh, I, I think that's going to be a bit of an L. Um, but they've, they've got they've got a really solid three headed you know attack to at least challenge the Dodgers, Musgrove, Darvish and Snell. Uh, figure to be at least their their big three starting rotation. So maybe the, maybe the Padres can make some noise because they definitely spend the money. Like the Padres are trying to be the Dodgers. They spent the money to get up there, but they're just not there yet. It's never a good thing when you ask Fernando Tatis uh, what happened in your motorcycle accident, and he says which one. Uh, yeah. That's never, that's never a good good sign for uh, your franchise cornerstone player. But he'll be back eventually. It's not like they don't have hitters that can score runs they just went out and got Luke Voigt Will Myers we know is pretty good Manny Machado obviously there I got a bunch of other talent and then you already re- referenced the pictures now are there pitchers Joe Musgrove you Darvish both good Blake's Blake Sell as you like to call him now <laughs> we'll see how he does I feel like he's that kind of person that can hold on to this team kind of keep them into games then he can just yoink them right out of it so he's going to be a guy I think is going to be pivotal for this team pivotal for this team because Darvish and Musgrove, I think they're both going to have good seasons. But Snell, so up and down, just never know what you're going to get out of him. So I think if he can be consistent and the fourth and fifth guys in the rotation can be solid, this team should have potential to challenge, I think, the Giants easily and surpass them. Will they pass the Dodgers? It's going to be hard to do that because the Dodgers are almost going to win 95, 100 games pretty consistently unless something goes wrong. They have so much talent and so much – they're just they're ridiculously talented, and I don't know how any team is going to beat them. Um, but it is baseball. Anyway, it's at nine innings. There's 162 games. So they're going to lose if they're a fair share of games. But I think this is the Dodgers division to lose. Diamondbacks are going to be a fade team. I mean, Diamondbacks mm-hmm. are just absolutely terrible. Um, I just don't know where what they're going to do. Matt, when Mad Blum's your opening day starter, that's that's your fee written all over it. And we don't bet your fees here, but that's a quick your fee if I've ever seen <laughs> one. So, so yeah, no thanks for the, for the Diamondbacks. I'll just stay away from that team, maybe fade them a little bit as the season goes on. Yeah, and potentially looking at, uh, you know, remember home road splits. The, wow. One of the best teams in baseball was the Rockies at home, too. Like, we're going to, I, I got to show them a little bit of love. They, they were the Jekyll and Hyde hilarious team where on the road they couldn't buy a run, but at home in, in course field, they're like bombs away. Like, it, it, was, it was just, it was just hilarious. I, I really don't love their, the Rockies pitching one bit. I'm kind of looking at the, <laughs> no, no. the starters. They, you know, they got Chad Cool from the Pirates. Yuck. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going to say to that. So yeah, yeah this pitching's not Rockies, good. Looking at it, no, no, the Rockies' pitching's not there. But like this is what I what I do love about the NL West a lot is these is is the the sort of rivalries too because you got the California teams, you got the Padres versus Dodgers. That that always gets chippy. That always gets heated because those those two fan bases hate each other. And then you've got the Dodgers versus Giants, and the, those two fan bases also hate each other. So it's like it's really cool. This this is one of those divisions in the NL that's like. You know these these fans passionately uh, don't like each other in the Battle of California. So I'm I'm definitely interested to see uh, what happens there. It's it's the Dodgers to lose, but hey, man, 
with with great expectations comes great letdowns, and uh, Dodgers known to do that sometimes. Just saying, this is true. They they are known to let down when the lights get the brightest, but it's they're true. obviously the preseason early favorite for the World Series for good reason, as they got all the talent in the world. But I do like this Rockies team. Will be a fun one to watch. I don't. I expect a lot of high scoring games for them when they're at home because. Yikes, this pitching staff is not all that good. But they did go out and get Chris Bryant, which might have changed between – I don't know if we talked about him too much on the podcast, but he's a worthwhile addition. And we'll see how the rest of the team can kind of – Charlie Blackman obviously is still there, and we'll see how the rest of the, kind of the squad can pull it together. It's so weird that their home road splits are just off the wall. I, I don't understand how that happens. I guess I understand the altitude, but it's so weird that a team can score like five, six runs a game on the road, but then at home they average like three. I don't actually know the, the splits, but – I bet you it was something stupid like that. Yeah, I I mean that's the thing with with the Rockies. They 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 was just one of those teams so that they look so comfortable and they 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 got to some really good pitchers. Like I remember they would they would ag- agitate you know the Darvish the Snells the, those types of pitchers when it was in Coors Field. They were they were they were the, these are ace pitchers and they were they were able to hit them with ease. And then on the road versus you know bad teams uh, that they really should beat uh, like the Pirates. Let's just say. Eh, nowhere to be found. But the, the, they left the bats in, in Coors Field, which is really interesting. You you always see that. But Rocky's got the offense to make some noise. The pitching is putrid. I I don't know what I don't know what to do with that that list I just read <laughs> off. It's not it's not it's not any good. It's not it's not a team. You know, talking betting wise, it's not a team I really ever like to to try to predict. I don't know which version of the Rockies we're getting. So that's why usually if you're going to ask me about the Rockies, I usually say, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. So. Yeah, betting the Rockies is like a lose-lose scenario. Or, or I guess big high risk, high reward. Either you bet them, you look like a genius if they come out and do really well. If they yeah. absolutely come out and lay an egg, you got to wear clown nose. You got to be like, dude, I don't know what the heck happened. It's, it's the Rockies. <laughs> I mean, you, you fade the Diamondbacks, and that's probably a trend that you'll see your boy on, and until proven otherwise, fade the Diamondbacks, fade the P- Pirates, fade maybe the Reds, just no, just talking no, like so, fade the Orioles and the AL. So, like these the, these are the trends that are going to emerge in a baseball season because it, you know every now and then, yes, the heavy underdog, the 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 terrible Diamondbacks will win a game. And it will be I guarantee you it will be on a weekend when everyone and their mothers on the Dodgers. And then the Dodgers just have a terrible showing, and boom, Talk <laughs> it up. Diamondbacks win. Can't predict it. Just got to guess. <laughs> so. That is sports betting for you. But that's going to wrap up all six divisions in the MLB. Obviously, yep. MLB opening day April seventh, so just a week and a day away. It is not Thursday. It's a week from tomorrow on Thursday. Um, but Logan, any closing thoughts for this podcast? Just talking about baseball again. This feels right. I'm I'm very excited. And if, if you guys can't already tell, this is this is more in my wheelhouse. So I'm I'm very excited. Yes, as a baseball casual, as I'd like to call myself, I will be trying my best with some player props. We'll be doing some fun, but we'll be uh, letting you kind of run the show for the MLB, kind of doing a bunch of different things that that are going to be really exciting. Can't wait to announce for the people what we're kind of planning on doing for MLB season besides a daily video. But we got some other cool things in the pipeline. But this has been episode 30 of the Call in Our Shop podcast every weekday at every week week every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. We appreciate you for coming out to the, the weekly live or weekly podcast. Tonight will be our weekly live stream if you're listening on Wednesday. We appreciate it from Austin, from Logan. We're gonna catch you guys in the next one. Peace out.